really appreciate the little countdown that it gives us before I get to say, and we're recording. <laughs> I wasn't even looking. Was there a countdown? Yeah, this little thing that comes up on the screen, it's like, you know, three, two, one, zero, and then it's done. I must be just distracted by your handsome face. That's excusable. <laughs> Understandable. <laughs> Well, hello. You're listening to Thoughtless Casual Gaming with Brett and Jace. We are a Geelong-based gaming podcast where we play some games badly and then talk about them. Sometimes. Um, sometimes. This is whatever episode you want it to be. Uh, this it's is your own adventure. It is. I've given up on the numbers. Uh, and this is lockdown episode. Again. Lockdown again. This is lockdown two for Geelong, lockdown four for Melbourne. So forgive the sound quality if it comes out a bit bad. We are doing remote as we are not allowed in the same house. Yeah, it, it's one of those we actually have an excuse. It's not just us being unwilling to see each other. Uh, a little from column A, a little yeah. from column B. If the shoe fits. Now... I usually have a bit of a, a plan of attack or, or a uh, process that we There's go a through. Format. There's a format. Yeah. A format. That's the word I'm looking for. Thank you. Uh, but I thought I'd, we'd mix it up a little bit today. Uh, as they say, it changes as good as a holiday, and we're probably all in need of a holiday. Uh, I thought we'd go straight into a gaming update. Look, now, as far as that whole change thing, I mean, we're in lockout. I don't even have to change my underwear. It's best. <laughs> so, Are you wearing underwear? Oh, you can only see from shoulders. Like, you can only get yes. this right. Yeah, good. <laughs> Lucky for everyone. Pants off Sundays. Um, so, before lockdown, I managed to get a couple of games in. Did you get any games in at all? Don't give me that face. What kind of person do you think I am? No. Um... When did lockdown happen? I don't even know. Thursday. No. I don't know why that mattered. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't played games since we played seven. So there is zero chance that I played something before we got in lockdown. But anyway, what have you been up to? Well, I got a couple of games in. So there's a couple of guys at work who meet every fortnight for board games. So (sighs) I tagged along to my first one of those. Uh, which was quite good. So five of us were in the uh, boardroom at work. Uh, first of all, it was a little bit weird for me. A, it was the first time I've been at the factory for a couple of months now. So it was a bit strange to walk back into that environment. Uh, B, it was the first time I'd been into the boardroom since my interview. So <laughs> that was <laughs> a little bit odd as well. But it was a good group of guys. We ended up playing a game called Decrypto. Before we get into that, can we just talk about how appropriate it is that you played board games in the board room? (laughs) Well, that's what it's called, isn't it? I I need to start booking our boardroom for more important (laughs) shit than whatever it gets used for. Well, it just seemed like the natural way to do things. I don't know. I got invited. I went along. So... Uh, so Decrypto, I'm on board. Yeah, excellent. Uh, Decrypto is an interesting one. So it basically you split into two teams. 
and you've all each team has four code words and they're numbered they're numbered one two three and four and the idea is one person on your team gives clues one word clues and you're supposed they pick up a card and that has three numbers on it it might have like two four one for example so they'll give a one word clue which is supposed to point your team towards numbers two, numbers four, and number one, whichever, whatever those words are. And your opposing team will start trying to guess your code based on the clues that you're giving. So your, I'll give you an example. One of our words was blue. And so as codes, we were giving things like sad, sky, ocean, cheese and you can't give the same clue twice so you have to write down all the clues that you were giving and make sure that you're not doing the same one and you've got to make these clues as ambiguous as possible so that your team gets it but the other team can't match up what they think your word is so they don't have to guess your word they just have to work out that 241 was the the code that you were given and you take it in turns. So basic way to win is you guess your opponent's code twice or they fail to get their own code twice. And the person giving the clues changes up each round. So we had three people on our team, so we were all taking turns in giving the clues. And it was quite interesting. It was very interesting in also stressful but very interesting in trying to think of those clues that are obvious but ambiguous at the same time. So that, you know, when your opponent hears clues like sky, you know, ocean, they're not going to automatically think that that's got to be number whatever it is. It could also be one of the other. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So we played a game of that. It went on for a while. Um, but it was a good game. So our words, we had taste, peacock, domino, and blue. And those were our words. And we were giving, so domino, for example, we were giving clues like tile, dots, mutant. Pizza? Like. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even think of that one. <laughs> that would have been great. <laughs> uh, although that could have then been similar to taste. Absolutely. So you got to... Uh, yeah, you don't want to throw your own... You don't want to throw your own team off too much. Uh, they had their words were fraud, room, violin, and hotel. And some are... Like, it's really funny to... Like, for example, blue was the one that they had the most trouble with because they thought the word was astronaut from the clues that we were giving. <laughs> Um, so cheese, so we're relating that to the moon and I don't know. It was, it was interesting. So we ended up, um, we, we won that game, which was nice, but it was a good, just a good little get together with a couple of guys. Those kind of ones are also really good icebreakers. They just get people going, they get everyone sort of involved. It's a bit of a party game. Do you find, because there's a few games with a similar style of mechanic there. Absolutely. That do you find being able to play your audience or know your audience makes a massive difference? Or I think it probably does, but I didn't know my audience. 
So like being the new person there was, I mean, I came up with, you know, mutants, for example, for Domino, which threw off the other team, but I didn't know it's hard. I think like their room word, for example, they were saying um, bed and spare and Tommy for whatever the, B grade the room is yeah yeah so it was yeah i was thinking i'm thinking what else could you do you could do panic you could do yes. yeah. <laughs> um so it was interesting too and and at the end of the game we we tried to work out what each other's words were and we did quite well so i mean both teams worked out exactly what two of the words were but the other two were like close yeah. But not like blue. They had no idea. Hotel for us was really difficult with the clues that they gave. Uh, and fraud, we didn't know the word, but we knew it was something to do with courts or judges or something. Yeah, like that. okay. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, good game. Uh, nice bunch of guys as well. Um, one of them is actually incidentally going to be running uh, Funkoverse demo games at work which will be interesting. So I'll be working, so I won't be able to play, but I'll be popping my head around the corner and yeah. checking up on that, which will be good. That's awesome. Yeah. That is cool. The um, the game that automatically springs to mind when you started explaining, and I think I have either played, heard of, or been involved in Decrypto at some point in time, but the game that jumped to mind was Dixit. Have you ever, okay. ever played that one? So basic premise is all the game is is a bunch of these amazingly illustrated cards Mm -hmm. Um, and the trick of that is you pick you draw a card and you have to describe that card for everyone to guess which one it is out of a bit of a lineup Mm -hmm. but if everyone gets it you lose so you've got to describe it so some people may not everybody get it gotcha Yeah. yeah it's that kind of how can i be obscure but also clear, but also really abstract. But yeah, I love it. It, it <laughs> breaks people's brains. But again, playing your audience works really, really well. Yeah, like it was just one of those games that that was good fun, but oh my god, like brain taxing as well at the same time. <laughs> um, after that, I did get another game of Blood Bowl Sevens in. So I took the same team that I played you against mm-hmm. uh, so Skaven so one gutter runner, one blitzer uh, or was it two blitz two blitzers mm-hmm. one thrower yep. yes that sounds right uh, and I was against Nurgle with a beast mm-hmm. Pestigore and two bloaters and the end result was one nil in Nurgle's favour, I could not get through. Like, just the, the sheer poundiness of those, the, the bloaters and the beast in particular. And, like... They're, they're tentacles too, aren't they? That's, that's yeah. yeah. So, I the beast got my gutter runner up against basically the edge of the sideline mm-hmm. really quickly and I managed to get him away so I got away from the tentacles which was really surprising um, and Dodge saved him but 
Like he was a target. That gutter runner was a target, which is the way Correct. it should be. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I just got I got beaten up a bit. There was no injuries in the game for a, for a really bashy game. Bashy on Nurgle part. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> um, I had a few people off, I think. Yeah, but no real injuries. Um, but yeah, it was just, and I didn't go for it that many times this game. Well, that's disappointing for everyone. I know, I know. I, I didn't have the option because my guys were usually on their backs. You get up, <laughs> you can still go for it. Just saying. <laughs> they get up, but they're getting up next to people who are just going to bash them down the next turn. But it, yeah, it was a good, quick game. It was uh, against Alice, and it was her first game. So I think uh, hopefully, you know, got the juices flowing, uh, got the motivation there. And there were a couple of things I missed, like. For example, foul appearance. I totally forgot foul oh, appearance. Oh, yeah, that's a rule. Yeah, so I'm sure I tried to bash Lozier and the Beast one one or two times without rolling that. But um, So it should have been more in my favour considering I forgot rules that affected me. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, two things out of this. One is, given that I've seen the team that she's put together for the, the league and... Mm. Firstly, the name, it's the best. Um, but what are our thoughts on teaching sevens format versus teaching a traditional Blood Bowl format? There's still a lot in it. So there's a lot that I tried to go through before the game. Mm-hmm. And it's mainly, the, the real thing with Blood Bowl is it's mainly, you know, this is, it's the the hitting so this is strength three against strength three. So it's one dice. But if you move this guy up, then it's going to be two dice. But in relation to that, if there's guys on the other team, then it might be two dice against you. So it's that, that whole I'll assisting okay. who's assisting who is going to be the real tricky part. But that's always going to be the tricky part in Blood Bowl. <laughs> so you've just got less assists in a sevens game. Yes. And but, less hits, to be honest. So. Yeah, true, true. Uh, but overall, I think, look, she's eager for more games, so I count that as a win. Mm-hmm. She's painting her team, I count that as a win. Absolutely. So uh, with any luck, we'll start up this league shortly. I mean, we're getting into, we're nearly in June, so I might give it end of this month, uh, sorry, end of June, Maybe early July will start. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do and... a financial year because we keep the other one. You keep the other one aligned to the calendar year. Then we've yep. got a financial year for this one. <laughs> no, it seems fair. Yeah, it's the tax dodge league. You like it? Yeah. But uh, yeah, definitely probably a good idea for the first game. We'll get a couple of the new guys together and go through the rules sort of all at once, and then have you know two or three games going concurrently. I think yep. that's the, the best way to go. Absolutely. I think, yeah, absolutely. And if we can get it, and again, slightly smaller pitches, we can fit a whole bunch of games going on in one house pretty easily. Yep. Um, yeah, I think it'll be a winner. I, I'm keen. I'm still so keen. keen. I'm so <laughs> stupidly keen right now. <laughs> I've started painting up one of my guys, and I'm still, like, I'm on my third jersey colour, and I'm still not happy, so 
I've had another idea, but I haven't gotten around to trying it yet. So, All right. we'll get. Well, let's talk ideas before we put more paint on models. Because right? I, I reckon we can probably lock something we're going to be happy with before we do another coat. Well, it's going to be a very thick jersey for the first guy. <laughs> He's just been traded a lot. He just puts a new one over the old. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's as far as. You know, board games, war games, that's it for me. The other thing I have been doing is, especially over the last week, for reasons I'll get into later, but I have been doing a lot of Diablo. Now, I started Diablo 3 up again recently when my mate George wanted to play something and he had picked it up for like 10 bucks at JB secondhand. So I started off a Necromancer because that's the one class I hadn't played, the one class I didn't have at level 70, which is the top level. And I played a bit with him, and then I played a bit by myself. And I played a bit more by myself. I played a bit more by myself. And I got that Necro to level 70 and through the storyline and doing all the things that she was supposed to do. And my mate hadn't jumped on too many times. So he was, I think, at Act 2 or 3 of the five-act story. Uh, So I hadn't seen him. So I decided to do the only thing that seemed appropriate, and I started another necromancer. I was going to say, this is where, yeah, I knew where we were going. (laughs) Is it safe to say that you resurrected? (laughs) Rerolled, let's say. Yeah, okay. But I started the second one on Hardcore. So Hardcore is basically the same thing, but if you die, that's it. Your character is gone. And I thought, okay, well, there's a season. I haven't tried this season, and it gives you multiple objectives to try and do while the season is going. So I started as a seasonal Hardcore Necromancer. And I played a bit. Played a bit more. Played a bit more. And when you get to level 70, you keep leveling up, but they're known as what... They're called Paragon levels. And they carry over for all your other characters. So my level 70 Necromancer, who has leveled up multiple times since hitting level 70, is now like a 160 Paragon. And each level that you get gives you a point that you can put into your stats. But those points carry on. So my 160 Paragon will be the same on my Crusader or my Barbarian. When I load them up, I'll be able to use those extra points on them. With Hardcore, doesn't work that way. You don't get the extra points from the other characters you've done before. But I've got my Necro to level 28 Paragon. And still going so i'm working my way through the season so that's been fun been one or two moments and when we say diablo just just so i'm super clear right we're talking about the digital game not the the fun little that you throw up with the sticks in the stream it's not yoho diablo it's the pc game just confirming okay i don't know what you're talking about okay that's fine (laughs) I'm pretty sure that's also a thing. It's a okay. game. Anyway, somebody will get that, and you're welcome to that one person. 
It's like a yo-yo. It's like a yo-yo, but they're different. Whoever that one person is, just make sure you let us know because... I'm relevant. Like, I'm relevant. I tell you now. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Google this and find you a picture. Yeah, okay. You Google. Uh, I did jump back on my, my first necromancer yesterday and I decided that I would do some streaming for the for the podcast uh, for the first time for a while. And I thought, what would be a good stream but a couple of portal levels, which take a little bit of prep to get going. So there's four portals, which where you go in, it's like alter, alt, ultimate badass versions of the bosses. And to get keys for all of them you need to defeat the key masters so I, I ran through the four key masters pretty quickly and defeated them that is that what you're talking about that's exactly what i'm talking about the little who's it's that you throw up on the strings anyway okay. <laughs> that is also known as a diablo okay if you say so i'm just making sure that the people at home aren't <laughs> confused about which we're talking about um Okay, so I've got those four portals. Uh, I happen to have a puzzle ring, which would l- allow me a portal into the treasury secret level. And the only other one I could think of was in Diablo 2, there was a secret cow level where if you got, if you ran away with some guy's wooden leg, you could make a portal into a cow level where all the monsters were cows standing on their hind legs using axes and spears and stuff and if you got through enough cows you'd get to the cow king and be able to defeat him there's no cow level in diablo 3 but there is another level and to get it you have to get three items so you have to get a bell which you can buy off a vendor so that's the easy one you have to get a gem which, and I'm talking just the console version here. So on the PC, I think you need a few more things, but you need a gem which drops from a boss and that boss appears in a certain level. So that level is not always there. And the boss is not always there when the level is there. So I can see you getting confused. I'm like level one, level two, level three. Like, okay. This is my usual understanding. No, 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 not level level, but like a, a level in the game. Okay. So you, you load up the game, you go to a particular area, and that area will have either like the Icefell Caves or the Caves of Frost. Now, the boss that you want is in the Caves of Frost. So if you load up the level and the Caves of Frost, or whatever they're called, aren't there, you've got to quit out, load it back up, Search around, see if you can find that cave. If you get to the cave, this particular boss that you need is not always in the cave. And when she is, she's got a 5% chance of dropping this gem. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> so that took me a couple of goes. When you say a couple of goes. I, yeah, I lost count. <laughs> like this is what I spent my Saturday afternoon doing. That wasn't the hard bit. So the the other thing you need is a mushroom, which spawns in a particular, one of a couple of particular rooms in a particular level and is rare. Uh, 
And I went online and people were saying, oh, you know, this took me eight or nine goes. Would have been 30 or 40 for me. Loading up the level, running around. Now, I'm at a level where I can just walk through things at a particular difficulty and they just die. Uh, And we're talking like torment four, which is fairly high level difficulty and they just die around me, which is fine. So it wasn't difficult but it was tedious. Anyway, finally got this mushroom, put the three of them together and they make a staff, which you can use at level one and does three to four damage and is overall pretty much a useless weapon. Basically a stick. It's a stick. Yeah, okay. It's a stick with a ball on the end. But if you go to a particular area and you have that stick in your inventory the ghost of the cow king pops up. <laughs> and this is called, it, the stick is called the Staff of Herding. And he says, you know, gives you a whole dialogue about, you know, how it's nice to see you with a particular, with that particular weapon. And then he opens up a level and he basically outright says that it's not a cow level. But you go in, and Diablo is a very dark game. You yeah, go into this level, and it's very bright and a rainbow. And the mobs in there that you're killing are flowers and teddy bears and unicorns. And that's it. And there are pinatas that you can hit, and lots of stuff will fall out. And there are rainbows which have clouds at the end, and you can click on the rainbows, and they usually give you gems and stuff. It's... <laughs> A totally different looking level, and I streamed all of this. So the the four big boss levels, the treasury level, and the whimsy whimsy veil, I think it's called, something like that, the rainbow level. And I jumped on to stream them, and my mate George happened to jump on the stream pretty quickly, and I said, what are you doing? He goes, oh, just chilling out. I said, do you want some free XP and he jumped in and we got him from level 55 to level 70 and Paragon 12, I think by the end of it. Shit. So, and he was just pissing himself laughing at the, the rainbow. He's like, what the fuck is this? It's very different to Diablo, but I streamed it. It's on Twitch. If anybody's interested in watching, um, twitch.tv slash thoughtless casual gaming, it's on there. It's a bit of fun. We had a bit of fun. And that's been my couple of weeks. I've done a lot of work on Diablo. To be fair, I, I was randomly throwing some paint on things last night and I just went, oh, I need something to listen to while this is happening. And I saw the Twitch notification come up and I started watching and then it just exploded into my eyeballs of just fucking <laughs> colours and shit. What? This is not the game I was watching a second ago. <laughs> it's to- it's totally different, that level, and it's just hilarious. I think we played through it twice last night. And the greatest thing, and this is not what I was expecting, but normally if you use something to open up a portal, that's it. It's gone. But that staff stays with me. So I can keep using it and I can keep going to that rainbow level. And everything is happy and sunshine 
And then I I wander in with my necromancer and my seven skeletons and my golem made of flesh and just murder, kill everything. You are the things that they tell their children about to put them to bed. Like, (laughs) if you you wake up tonight, you know who's going to get you. Anyway, little, little unicorn children, terrifying. (laughs) Um, That's about it for gaming for me. Now, yesterday, Warhammer Community exploded. They did. They did a preview. And they are redefining Age of Sigma. So the next edition, which is what, third edition now? Mm -hmm. Up to is on the precipice of being released. Um, If it hasn't, I don't know, to be honest, when, where or how. Um, but I think yesterday was pretty much the reveal of what's in the box. What's in the, the box? Old, what, what's the big old box of you will buy this if you want to get into this game? Is it Gwyneth um, Beltro? Well, I mean, it's always in, in some universe, it's Gwyneth Beltro. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm not sure how many of those realities it's Gwyneth Beltro, but it's probably not this one. Anyway, so what is was, in this box? Look, Stormcast. That's that's pretty clear. There is Stormcast. That's, that's the go-to, isn't it? Like I am. They're the Space Marines of Sigma. They are, and I'm over Space Marines and I'm over Stormcast. I respect that completely. That being said, I will say these are the nicest Sigma Marines that they have done to date. So they've done a little bit of work on the overall aesthetic. They've thinned them out a little bit. They've made the armour a little bit like, they still look like fucking Stormcasts. They're the same dudes. But they're just a little bit more refined. I do appreciate the the, the continuous improvement that they are showing. <laughs> They've done um, effort. Like, I'll, I'll back you up on this one because, yeah, there are actually some Stormcasts that I'm quite not, no, let's say, not keen on, but... I'm less unkeen. I, less unkeen. That's good. Let's go yeah. with that. Yeah. Uh, the Vindic- Vindictors? The Vindictors. They, the, really weird ones. name. Uh, the guys with the hammer and the shield. Yes. Don't they know uh, uh, Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I'm looking Either at way, them. the round oh, yeah, shields. Yes, around shield annihilators. Yes. You're quite yeah. right. I am looking at something else. Yeah, yeah. The big point is they look pretty, but I also like the fact that they changed just the shape of the shield. Let's give these guys a round shield instead of they. They all have those kind of kite shapes. Yeah, like just give them something a little bit different. They they they're starting to get their own identity. It's not the same model with a slightly different armament mm-hmm. a thousand times over, and I, I kind of like that. They're starting to develop a little bit more of a uh, uh, subculture, I don't know, I think. Um, equally, even the guys with the, the sh- little spears, um, again, they're just a little bit thinner and leaner and, and more agile looking than the traditional song cast. And they've done, they've done a good job of just giving them an update without changing the overall aesthetic. Mm-hmm. The, the thing with wings, that, that's cool. I can use that for something. Stormcast, the winged one. Anyway, Yindrester. 
I don't know its name. Celestial Spear. Look, you put in that She's wing on something. She's been tasked with a mission to hunt down the beasts rising up across Gur, Look, including and, the new Auric Menace. And speaking of reinventing the wheel, uh, now, they did a little bit of a, a tease earlier on around the, a new sort of you know, god of destruction. So the, the if we break down the major kind of um, factions, Order, Sigmarines, plenty of those, um, Death, and look, they had the, the Bone Reapers. That's a basically mm-hmm. a brand faction there. And they've, they've given a decent amount of love to the rest of them as well. Um, Archaeon has that giant fucking three-headed thing and, and whatever else Chaos has got. Um, and demons, are, are, you know, they're, they're getting plenty of love. Um, so I feel like the destruction um, faction, so, you know, your orcs, your ogres, you know, that kind of stuff, is probably the red-headed stepchild of Age of Sigmar 2. Um, mm-hmm. They seem to be fixing that with this one. And, and definitely putting at least an initial focus on. So there was a lot of teaser text about, you know, the destruction stuff, and then they released some giant fucking um, beastie, wacky monster dude. He's supposed to be some living god of some shit. Um, and he's basically the new destruction sort of, you know, giant, wacky leader beams guy. That's the official title. Okay. Um, so they released some giant ass model, and then, sure enough, they they released the starter box, and the starter box is a whole, whole bunch of orcs in it, or whatever they refer to as orcs in the <laughs> that one. They have completely gone back and reinvented what a Games Workshop orc is. Think think that's safe. Yep, absolutely. They are no longer the vaguely sort of cartoony, kind of overly chunky, kind of comical looking dudes. Um, and look, I'm, I'm watching the internet, reading the internet, so full of dickhead. Um, says a guy who's about to post a podcast on the internet. Um, <laughs> but, you know, so I oh, know they're going back to what they originally were. Garbage. They were comical as fuck. Um, and they always have been, and it's kind of been the, the shtick for the GW Orcs moving forwards. Um, and it's been hard to kind of take them seriously. The What they've done to this latest lot of sculpts, I'm hearing some background noise over there, before we yes. get there. Can we... Let's take a quick break and we'll talk Orcs. Thank you, sir. Done. And now, a feature presentation. Oh, for very well. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Get ourselves some snacks. And after that slight interlude, uh, we are back and talking all things orcs. So, quick recap Age of Sigma, three, big old box. Sigmarines are Sigmarines. Orcs are not orcs, but they are also not what you expect from, from a Games Workshop release. Yeah. Sorry, apologies for that, guys. I have a very sensitive little man at the moment. Um, I don't think he knew what was wrong. But if you can just put some, like, interlude music oh, yeah. in gap or something, like, you know, let's well, all go to the lobby. Oh, I think it's, 
snacks. Yes. Um, <laughs> to be perfectly fair, I really appreciate those those moments where you go down and you're like, what's wrong? And they're just sad and they don't know and it's the best. Yeah. Um, it's not. Like, I feel for them. There's, there's clearly a lot of big feelings in a little tiny person and they can't work it out. But, yeah, um, it, it gives me mild giggles. And oh, yeah. All... I got no words out of him. No. I just <laughs> took him back to his room, put him back in bed. He closed his eyes and I think he's out again. Anyway. Um, Which is, I'm pretty sure I ain't pronounce it. Anyway. They've, they've taken a real kind of, you know, different route with, with this lot there. They're kind of taller and leaner and angrier and they've, they've kind of removed that whole kind of comical, you know, cartoony element from them and they've made them these kind of mean-ass-looking nasty pranks with, you know, realistic-ish for a fantasy game-looking weapons they, they, they've gone a little grim dark on them, and I'm trying to dig it. Um, I dig it. I don't know, like... I'm not going to buy any. Let's wall. But... <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just another game that we don't have time for. But are they... Am I getting this right? They kind of look a bit Lord of the Rings-ish. I got very Lord of the Rings vibes out of them, just in the, the way that they've kind of changed the the head proportions and everything mm-hmm. as well to give them that kind of more slanty eighty face. Whereas the, I don't know, I would say the the old G Dub ones were almost bulldoggy. They had these kind of big yep. cheeky things going on, and they've kind of they've pulled that right back. They've got rid of the giant mounts. They've they've kind of made them look like these wiry, nasty, bestial looking dudes. Um, and they look good. They do all look good. Like um, this um this shaman with the pot grot. Look, I saw there's there's a bit of a theme going through where you've got big characters and they've got like a little sidekick lackey henchman picking along and I kinda dig it. There's yeah. a little little stabber friend peeking around with one of the other guys as well. And I think the the flavor text is something about him kicking him in the way of a, a mortal blow. <laughs> kind of like a, a last ditch save. Um but it's just such a sort of, you know, a new direction for them, I think, in this instance. And what I'm starting to see with this is, you know, and I, I could be just talking out my ass, but they seemingly are systematically redesigning each of their races to move mm-hmm. further away from their kind of fantasy archetype that they all originally based on, um, into something that they can, to be honest, that they can create an IP around that is not just a name. So it's not just you know, Oryx instead of Orcs. That, is that going to stand up in a court of law? I don't know. Mm. But when it's something that is fundamentally different to what everyone else is producing, you've got you know a, probably a little bit more of a, a case. Yes. Um so, you know, we saw, I mean, Sigmarines, Sigmarines, we know that happened. The Ossiarch Bone Reapers is kind of the not Tomb Kings. Yep. Um, they they lend a lot from their, their Necron aesthetic, but they are as unique a, a race as you would get in a fantasy war game this, at this time. Um, 
so that happened. The new high elves. Yeah, they're different, they're, too, di- they? they're different enough. So the whatever the fuck they call the Lumineth Realm Lords, um, they are different enough to every standard fantasy elf army that you've seen to be their own creature or their mm-hmm. own kind of thing. You know, we've seen it now with the orcs. I, I'm waiting to see what they do with dwarves, as an example, and even like humans and shit. Like, how how do you go through and make a a human race, you know, faction that is fundamentally different enough to every human race? <laughs> like that's the bit I want to I want to kind of see how they do because I think that's absolutely fascinating. But you know. They seem to be playing a pretty long game with this and they're just going to go through and one by one slowly reinvent the wheel for each one of these races until they've got their own piece. And hopefully by then, because, I mean, the one thing Age of Sigma really has, they gave up a, a world of history and, you know, yeah, really did. like that that kind of background and fluff and all that kind of shit, they, they just went, no, nah, draw the line of the sand. No longer a thing. Um, and you're kind of seeing that by the time they get around to doing all of this, hopefully they're going to have a big enough back catalogue that it's actually a rich enough kind of history, world, everything, that it is engaging. I'm not sure how they sell the whole portals to realms thing. That's still absolute bullshit in my eyes. But anyway, um, I'm a salty old prick. Um yeah. I just look, I think that's super fascinating. And the other thing that I really draw parallels to, if I look at what they're currently doing with Age of Sigma and what happened with Warhammer Fantasy, if I look at the Warhammer, you know, third and fourth was kind of it actually starting to happen. Warhammer fifth ed is fundamentally known, uh, or is, you know, commonly known as Hero Hammer because the heroes were bullshit amazing you could cram all your points into the biggest nastiest dude and make him unkillable and unbeatable at all those things and it was wonderful um and i'm watching a lot of the um sort of talk around the difference between age of sigma 2 and 3 and they're talking about how heroes do more and they've got more weight in the game and they're not just passive and all that kind of stuff if I move from Warhammer 5th to Warhammer 6th, 6th is one of those sort of additions that a lot of people go back to and play, and that's kind of the, the game that they play. And the reason being, it was one of the very few Warhammer fantasy editions where all of the books were released at once in the same edition. Okay. So you had this, this edition that had it was basically a complete set all of the armies that were available had books out. They were all current. They were all, all those things. And Warhammer 7th basically was just a bit of a, a tweak of the rules to streamline a few of the funky things. And, look, it cleaned up the core rules, but they did that rolling thing where they update army books and they never actually got there. So before 8th came along and, and changed the game again. So it was 8th <laughs> Age of Sigma? 8th, no, 8th was the edition before Age of Sigma, and that's when they took out things like guest ranges, um, and they added in pre-measuring, and they changed a bunch of, like, the fundamental core mechanics. Um, And then they went 
got this game, we're going to make Edge of Sigma. Um, so the eighth is when they brought in things like um, your instead of your charge being just twice your movement, and you knew how, you, know, you, could, you had to guess what that was, but if you were in, you were in, you could pre-measure, but your movement was uh, involved a dice roll. So you knew you could make it, but you might not, depending on the dice. Mm-hmm. That was the difference between 7th and 8th. So 7th was basically just a clean-up of the 6th edition rules, but they never had all of the, the rule books. So what I'm waiting to see, that, that where this comes back to Age of Sigmar, is if we assume that Age of Sigmar 3 is going to be the Hero Hammer version, the 5th edition Hero Hammer version of Age of Sigmar, by next edition, will they have all of the books out and that will be the beginning of the Golden Age and then we'll see where it all happens. But it's just interesting to see how it's almost, it could, follow suit in a very similar similar vein um is it like gw to release all the books no i mean like i'm thinking 40k here because that's the one i know the best but like what is it eighth ed came out a couple of years ago are we talking eighth ed oh yeah eighth ed ninth ed we're in ninth now are we yeah but there's still books that they didn't release in eighth ed that they're starting to bring out now for ninth ed yeah and then and, some of the eighth ed books are not applicable. Yeah. And that's that's kind of the common, that, that's the way it would normally run. And the only reason I'm wondering whether it will be different is because they are going back and rewriting all of the races as well as just mm-hmm. doing a book update for the new set of rules. Um, I wonder if they will basically hold third edition until they're, they've basically got a full collection. Um, I don't know. It, it, I, I could be so far off it fucking hurts, but it was just, you know, I, I just think it's a really interesting play for them. It's obviously a very long game because um, it's going to take a fucking long time to get that all done. Um, and especially if they've got to design all new models so they look a little bit different, they've got to come up with an idea that doesn't suck um, or does suck in the case of a few of their past choices. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's something that they can basically, you know, stand behind and go, this is our version of we'll pick a race, any race. This is what dwarves are for us. We don't yeah. call them dwarves, we call them something else. Um, Stunties. Half men. I also heard that they're talking about combining the, the Cadron Overlord with the regular dwarf um, as a potential one. And then if we go back to the actual release from two days ago, so basing things on fact... There are these new hob rods. Yeah, that's, that's something I wanted to, to touch on. Like hobgoblins are back, but they're hob rods. Yeah, we can't call them hob, but they are. They look like hobgoblins. As far as if I went back and looked at old G Dub hobgoblins, I can see how these are an updated version. Yeah, um, but hobgoblins were also traditionally the servants of chaos dwarves. Yes which is so, where I know them best from, which is Blood Bowl. So the million-dollar question here is, does that then signal a, a bit of a return of one of the forgotten, or are they just going to tease us with it? A bit of a... The Chaos Half-Men. Yeah. <laughs> well, as I said, do they, do they just, you know, get you halfway there and, and leave you hanging for more? <laughs> Um, one other thing that, that came to mind when I saw this is 
I mean, obviously, as we've talked about, it's it's a bit of a difference to the standard orc mm-hmm. uh, image that they they've had for quite some time. What does that mean for forty k? Like, are they going to redesign the orcs for forty k as well? Uh, Potential similar, similar thoughts, maybe. That being said, I feel like the things they did so well with 40k that has never translated across to fantasy is give orcs personality. True. 40k has got this amazing kind of orc thing where... But, like, this idea of technology that works because they believe it works, um, (laughs) and, and they are these kind of, you know, these ramshackle builders of technology that shouldn't work but does, but has this kind of... Like... That whole concept of how they build fucking spaceships and weapons and all that just has never translated across to fantasy. So I think it works a lot better in 40k than it ever has in fantasy because they've always had so much more personality and so much more hobby potential because you can do fucking bullshit things with looted wagons and you know stompers and, and other crazy ass shit that could only come up in the mind of an orc or an orc player. Um, the, the fantasy never really took off and, and did. So yeah. this is kind of their opportunity to put a stamp on a fantasy race that is. I think they've already done it with 40K, and I, I don't know. I don't know if they – Yeah, I'll be curious to see if they do decide to go a little bit group dark, a little bit less fun. Because orcs in 40K are very cartoony. Absolutely. But I think that's the the, the pull of them. Look, the other half of this is if they did decide to update Orcs for 40k and I never have to walk into a 40k tournament and hear someone yell wah <laughs> randomly at the top of their lungs every single fucking game, it is a better world for us all to live in. <laughs> when was the last time you went to a 40k tournament, Jess? Uh Look, it's been a while, but... I used to go to a lot of tournaments mm. and I used to go to a lot of conventions and I used to go to a lot of tournaments that had multiple games running and every single fucking time <laughs> there was a 40k event on, there was some orc player that looked like his models that determined to yell stupid shit across the hall so everybody gave him attention for three seconds. We... And we could all do without it. We are potentially heading to a 40k tournament later on this year so what is the money we're putting down on it we're not putting money down (laughs) i'm not a money down person (laughs) neither am i but i'm I'm, this is a safe one (laughs) (laughs) oh shit all right now i know we had the interlude should we take a break play some music because uh and then come back and talk hobby Mm-hmm. what's happened in the last fortnight since we yep. talked last. That sounds like an absolute winner. Let's do that. Land music.
Jerry the cowboy, the big dipper thing is Alan the cowboy. Jerry the cowboy, Jerry the cowboy, big dipper thing is Alan the cowboy. Tactical pause. It looks like you've paused on the image. Yeah, it's it frozen. Um, no, we are recording. Mouth open just did it for me. Yeah, no, close your mouth. If there is one thing that 12 months of like virtual meeting has taught me is nobody, nobody's computer ever freezes on a good picture, a flattering (laughs) picture of themselves. It's always like three chins and a cross eye. Anyway, um, (laughs) I haven't had to do any of the Zoom meetings, so it's been the best. Like, we, there's actually been a, a number of people at my workplace that have a, a really good print screen. Like they have a habit of just being able to get print screen right at the right time and they just send photos and moments <laughs> to the person. It's the best. Anyway, there, there's a bit of a Zoom meeting Hall of Fame situation going on. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Anyway, shall we talk hobby? Let's talk hobby. All right. What have you done in the last fortnight, Jase? Look. Oh, some, I'll say some. Um, let, let's go through the the less exciting things because I think I talked about them last time. But basically, off the back of all of playing Blood Bowl Sevens, after not playing anything for the entire time that we hadn't recorded, I went and ordered Sevens Pitch and Death Zone. That showed up. It was the happiest day. <laughs> so I now have Sevens both Pitch. Death Zone and no ability to pay because there's no fucking lockdown. Um, but that is the thing. I also had big plans to go to Bunnings and make extra pitches, and I can't because Bunnings is on a couple of flights only. And I don't know what I want to buy. Like, I'm going to go and... You need to wander Bunnings. It, yeah. It is not a place where you go in with a, a plan. Because if you go in with a plan, the plan is going out the window the second you do. So you just... Just... You know, Throw yourself at the experience and let nature take its course. Um, so that hasn't happened, disappointingly. But as I said, have the pitch now. That is exciting. Have Death Zone. That is exciting. I assembled a shit ton of snotlings. Mm-hmm. That is exciting. I found my trolls. Turns out, so here's, here's my dilemma. So I've got two trolls because my starting list has two trolls. I think it's probably best to have those models. Yeah. So I've got, I've got two of the current Blood Bowl trolls, but they're the mm-hmm. same. Yeah. Problem one. Um, they're also throwing goblins, which, look, I could lean into and say they're throwing a member of the small goblins. Yeah, but they're goblin-y looking goblins. Yeah, true. Um, so I could lean into it and say that they're throwing a member of the opposition or that I've recruited a particularly large and dominating snotling into my team or Or any of this, or I can, yeah, or I could do something different and I'm not entirely sure what that different thing is yet. Um, but I feel like I I don't love the fact that they're throwing a goblin. I don't love the fact that they're on, they're the same pose. Um, and I don't love the fact that one of them is missing an arm. (sighs) So. I went through my bits box and I said, oh, it's a troll. I have, you know, bits of trolls. I'll go find some troll bits. So I found some river troll bits and I went to put that arm on said blood bowl troll and I realised how differently they are scaled. Um, 
because the blood bowl ones are kind of designed to fit on a 40 mil base. Um, so they've, they seemingly have shrunk it a bit to to what they've done for Major Sigma, Warhammer, whatever the fuck that was designed River Trolls for. So it looked a little comical. It looked like it had gigantic in the arm. And I didn't really dig it. So he threw that away and I've tried a bit of a Minotaur arm and I've tried a few other bits. And I just I haven't quite landed on the thing that is the right scale. Mm-hmm. So that is current problem A. I have a one-armed troll that I need to find a suitably scaled arm to fit. Um, and I'm thinking, look, I'll find a black orc or there'll be you know, something like that that will kind of suit or I can, I can check yeah, out. But anywho. And then I have to work out what I'm doing with A, the goblin that they're throwing, and B, the fact that they're the same pose. Um, so that needs a little bit of love. The snotlings were amazing because they're all two pieces. Yes. And that is the correct number of pieces for a model of that size. <laughs> um, that was amazing. And then, so I, I basically put all those together because it was a piece of this. And I did the trolls because that was necessary. And then I went, ah, oh, it comes with the pump wagons. It seems silly to put the pump wagons in the sprue back in the box and for another day I might as well just throw them together while I've got everything out. I assembled one of those bastards. I'm not sure what I'm doing with the second one yet because those are pricks. Um, not look, and I am, I am usually that person that, that whinges about people who whinge about the fact that their model was hard to assemble, like harden the fuck up. Um... I think my frustration came from the fact that it's not what I expected from a Games Workshop model. Like, most, if not all, of the G-Dub kits that I've put together in any time of recent history, stuff fits in really, really well. Like, it's almost push-fit. Like, it almost, you know, clicks into place. You have an ad glue. Um, And these do not. And they've got a little bit of a ramshackle vibe to them. They kind of, it, nothing's quite straight. Um, nothing really kind of sits in place properly. So you kind of end up putting three or four bits together, putting glue on everything and just holding it and hoping. Um, which look works as long as you're okay with the occasional fingerprint. Um and it kind of works for the ramshackle vibe of them. But, yeah, I was it was not the relaxing assembly experience that I'm used to from my Games Workshop models. And I think therein lies my my expectation was not met. I didn't um, have too much of an issue with them, but I get the whole, yeah, holding pieces together thing definitely had to happen. This is not what I expect from a GW kit. I expect a bits to have little pegs that only fit in one spot and you just put it in and it stays there and it's glorious. And this was nothing like that. This was not. Um, this was a different beast. And I just, it wasn't what I was, and I was kind of just in the mood for something really casual, really easy. I'm like, oh, fuck it, I'll just throw this together because I'm here. It's not I the model swore, for that. I swore a lot. <laughs> the photo of me just giving the, finger to this goddamn pump wagon but anyway i've got one done but again they are the same model and i don't particularly love the fact that they're the same model so i'm coming up with plans to, to modify the other one i'm thinking about making it a bit of a land boat um, okay because i thought that sounds if, cool if i gave it a sail so where because the front of it's a bit of like a keg right mm-hmm. so i can make that a little bit pointy so it looks a little bit more like a boat and then i can give it a sail 
and instead of the pumping thing with the rock and the, the lever, I could have like a something jumping on a bellows behind it. Oh, and I thought that'd be a fun little, little change. So that's the current plan. We'll see how far I get through that before I get bored and just smash it together. Um, so Snotlings, the, the other half of the Snotling team that I've been digging around with is colour schemes and racing and stuff. Um, colour scheme, I found, I, I found one I'm going to steal and it's glorious. And basing, I had this kind of cool idea that I could do this really kind of ramshackle flagstony mushroom thing, right? And it only mm-hmm. kind of really existed in my head. Um, have you seen, if you Google giant staircase someplace in Ireland, um, my phone is now doing that for me and telling me all about it. Uh, it it's a causeway or something. It's, it's some fucking land mass where it's all like these weird steppy looking stones. Either way, I was kind of thinking that and then I was kind of thinking something else. And then I realized that I had previously backed a Kickstarter for a um, bunch of terrain that was basically a goblin cave. And it was just, you know, kind of uneven floor and mushrooms and shit. And I'm like, well, that is perfect. Um, Yes. What I didn't think about is my limited ability to take digital files and make them the digital file I want. So I have these amazing pieces of terrain that are kind of these big blocks of kind of scenery and stuff, and they're ideal, but they're these random sizes, and I need things that will fit on 30 and 40 mil bases. And I'm not quite sure how to get from part A to part B, like from idea to thing. Um, and then I scaled one down and I kind of made it the right size, went, right, this will kind of work. Even if they're all the same, this is the easiest way I can do it. And then I tried to print one and my printer is in bricks and it came out as this blobby ass fucking stringy mess and I swore at that and now I'm not sure what I'm going to do for bases. Um, so... The idea was so amazing and it was going to look incredible and now I'm not entirely sure I'm going to do for bases, but I definitely have a color scheme in mind and they're assembled except for the trolls. I'm not sure what I'm going to do and I'm waiting on two. Anyhow, Snotlings, Blood Bowl 7, pretty fucking exciting. Other stuff that has happened since then, I talked a lot about on a previous episode about how my airbrush was giving the shit so I ordered a whole bunch of new parts. I actually finally got around to just disassembling that thing and cleaning everything and reassembling it with all the new parts and all the clean parts and so much paint came off that thing and I pulled it into more parts than I've ever pulled it before and I'm really hoping that the way I've reassembled it is the way it's supposed to be reassembled. (laughs) <laughs> and I haven't tried it yet because at the moment in my head it works. And if it doesn't work, I'm going to be angry. <laughs> so if I just don't try it, um, you're avoiding disappointment. See what I've done here. It is shredding his airbrush right now. Um, so a bit of a rebuild there. It theoretically should hum. It should be amazing. Um, it should be back to like the day I got it, not the, the ten years of neglect. Um, but I'm not sure. I picked up 
a rack, a, a pain rack that I've been eyeing off. So Richard, throw the dice, finally started stocking the stuff from Miniature Scenery, which is the local Australian um, MDF terrain and, and miniature stuff maker, right? They do a paint rack for tube paints, and that is the piece of the puzzle that I've been missing for too long. So I have all these racks for all the paints that I have, mostly, um, except the couple of sets of tube paints, and they have been sitting kind of in boxes on my desk for however long, just messing the whole thing up. So finally got a rack for that. Assembled that last night. Before the glue was dry, I had paint on it. It looked the so like so pretty um but now i'm having the problem that i actually kind of need to rethink the way that my workstation is laid out so there's too much stuff and i can't reach it all <laughs> the moral of the story so i need to kind of rethink the layout here so all the stuff i actually need is in reach and i don't have stuff blocking my way to other stuff and i can see what i've got and it's very nice and it's cleaner and it's prettier and it's easier to work on than I had before, but it's kind of highlighted the next problem that I haven't thought about the long game. So that's that's the other step that I need to think about at some stage, working at how I take basically the, the hobby space that I have, but how do I get all the stuff that I want within arm's reach and how do I make sure the stuff that I want is the closest stuff, the easiest stuff to get to, and the stuff I only need sometimes can be a little bit further, I don't know. It's going to take some thinking. We will get there. Um, I also picked up, while I was at Throw the Dice, I ordered a couple of broken toe brushes. Um, and I had tried their Mark II brushes before and thought they were absolute pants. But a lot of people that I know have used the Mark III brushes and said that they were the best brushes they've ever used and they've given them rave reviews. And I can't help myself but, but try. Um, so I went, fuck it. They're well priced for what is supposed to be a pretty premium brush. So it's one of those that if they do hit the mark, that it's a pretty good contender for which brush would you go to if you were just going to you know, recommend go-to brushes for everyone because they hit that nice point between reasonable price and quality. So grabbed a couple of brushes from Rich. Unknown to me, I ordered the synthetic, not the um, sable, but I'm actually kind of okay with that too. So picked up the difference. I mean, one of them is made out of synthetic hair, one of them is made out of sable, so an actual yeah, animal hair. So uh, what does I think, that mean for the painting? Well, well, it depends how fancy you are, right? So I'm not sure, and realistically, the whole concept of a synthetic brush, right, is that you would try and mimic the action or the, the, the properties of the natural version of it or improve on it. So if you listen to anyone, if there's anyone, Kalinsky Sable is supposed to be the absolute duck's nuts of, the, of fucking paint brushes. And to be honest, all of the ones I've tried, the good brands, have been better paintbrushes. Now, I'm not sure if that is because of the type of hair. I'm not sure if that is because of the type of quality control. I'm not, like, there's a whole lot of things it could be. They have been nice. So I've just kind of 
gone to sable brushes when I'm buying them because the good ones are good. Um, that being said, um, I don't want to use sable brushes with oil paints or enamels or anything like that that's going to really fuck up a brush. So I've wanted a couple of decent synthetic brushes and when I ordered these and they came in, I realized they were the synthetic ones. I kind of went, I don't necessarily have a bias towards sable brushes. I've just bought them because they have been good. And realistically, if these are good, why do I care if they're made out of? You know, that, that kind of, that kind of yeah. So, anywho, um, I basically told Rich I would give him a red hot crack, I would do him a bit of a review, I would let him know what I think, and he will see if it's something that he wants to kind of start as a, a standard. Um, so, we'll give him a red hot go, and I'm pretty excited because my biggest complaint with the previous versions of the Broken Toe brushes is they were really, really thin. Um, so, the, the actual bristles were really, really thin. So you didn't actually have, like, they were they were really bendy. It was They didn't hold a lot of paint. It was hard to be really precise with them and stuff. And these are a lot thicker in the body of the, or the belly of the bristle, um, which is what I'm used to from the, the Raphaels, which you might get to front brush at the moment. So they're a lot similar in size and shape, and, and they're a lot more to that so if they behave vaguely like it for half the price I'm kind of on board um, so I am planning on basically using them exclusively for I picked up my trash to treasure competition entry from throw the dice um, the other day Lord of the Rings model Ugh. Um, so, yes, there are way too many Lord of the Rings models. Um, so at least he got the trash bit right in that competition. Um, <laughs> and when I say I picked up, uh, a quick shout-out here because I was not getting to, to throw the dice during business hours to get anything like. It just got really hard there for, for a couple of weeks, and it wasn't happening. And I messaged... Um, a good friend of ours, Jared, had said, hey, you live just like around the corner. I just want to duck up and grab that for me. And he did. He, he went and he picked up the model. Um, and I've got uh, Lord of the Rings, uh, the, the old Galadriel um, that was painted uh, by someone other than me. That's the trash bin, um, not just the model. And then I'm supposed to make that by the end of the month the date 30th good um treasure so life continued just to be difficult and i messaged jared again a few few days ago and i said hey you know how you picked up that model for me and it's been sitting in a letterbox for the last week do you want to do you want to dump that in metho for me for a night <laughs> so he stripped it for me um and then i picked it up after i picked up all this other stuff and throw the dice um, so he did the hard work, let's be honest, because um, the, the other saving grace out of all this is because of lockdown, Rich has extended the deadline for the competition by seven days, which means I might actually get it done. Um, so the plan is to try out the new Broken Toe brushes on my Trash to Treasure model. I've got a little bit of a plan for it now, which is a bit exciting. Um, it's a plan I think I can probably 
sort of throw out in seven days. Um, and depending on the time that I have and how life hits me, it's one of those ones that I can kind of get tricky if I end up having time. And if I can't, it's fine. I'll have a finished model. So that is basically the only other thing I've done in that time that's actual hobby is finish, finish painted, based, painted and based together. Um, my entry for the Hobby Homies Autumn Competition with 24 hours to spare. Uh, so she's actually done a base. It has a base. She's on a base. I put her on the base last night. Um, I varnished her today. I need to take some photos. That is tomorrow's job. And then she is done. So I, I finished a whole thing. So the, the autumn competition for anyone who hasn't been listening was the one where you had to basically hero red, brown, and yellow as your, your color scheme ideas. Um, and having a quick look at some of the entries that are flicking through now, there's some pretty shiny things. So yeah, there's some really nice models and it's going to be fun for them or whoever's judging because yeah. It's some very pretty stuff. Mine's <laughs> it doesn't hold up to some of the other well, ones that I've seen. But look, the interesting piece there is they've, they've said they're going to judge it on effort, theme, and effort, not necessarily, you know, mm-hmm. the, the quality. So a lot of people went to a lot of effort, um, and that's probably the the mildly terrifying piece out of this. Um, like it's great because people have actually gone to fucking effort. Um, but, yeah, I'll be super curious to see how they judge this sucker yeah. um, and whether the people who win prizes actually end up getting them. Cough, still <laughs> waiting for a paint rack. Um, <laughs> and the other thing that is happening while I remember it is that there is talk about running. So there, there's a bit of a, an online um, Warhammer 40k RPG session going on. Mm-hmm. And there is talk about a another one kicking off because there's more interested people, and they're looking at the is it Dark Crusade? The one of them. Chaos, forty k. The chaos I'm, version. The chaos version, yeah. So there's Whatever that's called a bunch of a bunch of good guys running around doing whatever the fuck who cares, right? I started actually doing some background reading on what the game is like, just out of curiosity, because I'm interested, right? And I was like, oh, let's just see what it's like. And it's so much more fucking interesting just because, like, so firstly, you can have either human or space marine characters. Mm-hmm. And they do a, a, they go to effort to balance the human characters with the space marine characters in game. So That's obviously good. they're less good at fighting um, and being a meat shield, but they're more good at doing other stuff. They get more skills. They, it's all that kind of fun. But equally, just from an RPG element, right, you've got Chaos Guys, but, and, and to be fair, all of, I, I think the Primarch series and, and the Primarchs in the 40K universe are interesting because they're very human, and you can start to see where the ones that went bad went bad and why they went bad, and that lends itself to an RPG element so well that you've got potentially characters who think that they are doing the right thing, but they're chaos or chaotic characters. Um, 
you could play this so many different ways. You can have guys that fully just lean into the fact that they're doing the wrong shit and it's, it's cool. And you can have people that are potentially, I think, you know, one of the examples that they give you is Korn as the you know, god of warfare and shit, but also the the god of um, martial prowess and honour. So, mm-hmm. you know, you could almost play a samurai-esque style character who just happens to be on the wrong side of, of what's going on. Um, you know, as an example, I think there's just so much more room to lean into RPG craziness. Um, it got me a little bit excited. So hopefully that actually kicks off. We get a few more people involved and it happens. I still have no idea what I want to play, how I want to do it or anything, but just that little background work just, just got me a little bit a little bit excited. I'm totally on board for this, and I'm I'm excited too. I mean, it's chaos, so that instantly gets me going. But from all accounts, like the the RPGs that Oliver has been running have been very well received. So I am excited and eager to get on board, but I haven't done any prep whatsoever. No, I haven't done any prep. I just tried to forget what the game was about. So there was a little bit of that. That was about it. Does I have that or do some work? I didn't want to do work. No, fair call. That's been me. That's been all of the fun I did. I feel like I talked a lot and it made it sound like I was busier than I was. <laughs> that's well, that's the trick. That's the point of the whole podcast, isn't it? Well, it, yeah, it makes it's not great podcasting if we don't say anything. No, but we but, just talk shit for a while and and these episodes get to be two hours long that's exactly what happened <laughs> um i haven't done too many purchases in the last fortnight i did manage to pick up i i had a bit of an itch for and not necessarily to play but uh collectible card games is something that that i've done a lot of and I did notice at work there was a listing for a starter box for the Transformers CCG, which was um, two players, so I could pick up the box and potentially play against somebody. I've opened the box and I've had a look at the cards and I have no idea. I haven't read the rules or anything. But it was Blaster versus Soundwave, and Soundwave is the be-all and end-all Transformer for me. Which sound wave? The real one. The cassette deck. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> not the silly bloody satellite or whatever it was in the movie. Yeah, if there's not cassettes, I'm not interested. No. They're, both of them are. So Blaster is the, the Autobot version. So they both got like three different cassettes. Um, so I picked up that and I opened it and I had a look at it and then I put it somewhere. I think I put it in the cupboard. I don't know where I put it, but it's that's here. Uh, I did pick up the latest Spike magazine as well, which is the Imperial Nobility Black Orcs one. Uh, purchases, that was it for me, but I did get a couple of gifts in the last fortnight. So What? I know, right? I don't this know where this outrage. came from. Uh, so I got two. Uh, the first one I got was fabulous bill so the brand new well it's not brand brand new but i've been eyeing it for a long time but fabulous bile for 40k 
he is my all-time favorite character for 40k i just love him and my whole chaos army when i played was based around him and his experiments and the fact that he'd just given all the chaos marines some sort of injection and that had turned them all into skaven so i now have the updated model with his little lackey which i am looking forward to putting together and then less looking forward to painting because i want to put some real effort into that one the other one i came home the other day and found a little package in my mailbox which was a little and i say little and it's written on here just little hobby care package which was dropped in by mark and it looks like there's five models in here and it looks like Warmaster. that's what i'm thinking so that's that sort of the epic fantasy isn't it correct yeah. we're talking like you know 10 mil yeah so they're, they're they're small models but they're big small models so it looks like uh we've got a little elf or something here with a bow and a nice cloak and standing on a bit of wood there's a Chaos Dwarf, and I can tell it's a Chaos Dwarf from the huge hat. There are two Bull Centaurs and what looks like a Dark Elf on a cold one. So, right, this makes sense. So, for context, please. when we did the splits of Cursed City, mm-hmm. at the end of that, Mark goes, oh, I've just printed off some random shit. I, I thought I would divvy those out while we're here as well and had a bunch of teeny tiny models that he was basically doing test prints of yep. for, for random stuff. Um, but obviously not everybody was at that particular unboxing. No, some of us were in Queensland. So I feel like what has happened is he has leveled the playing field um, with with more, which is glorious. Um, but yeah, they're, they're teeny tiny, big, teeny they're very cute, and it was it was such a cute thing. And I it probably arrived on a day that I probably needed some sort of happy face, so so it was much appreciated. Yeah. Uh, apart from purchases and gifts, I've done a little bit of TV watching. So I ended up I did watch Mortal Kombat. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty much exactly what you said last episode. Mm-hmm. It had its moments. And it wasn't bad. It was just not good. There, like it, it's there for a sequel. Yeah, it's definitely there for a sequel. Um, apart from that, I found, much to my excitement, that season two of Love, Death and Robots has been released on Netflix. And I really enjoyed season one. And it's all like animated, short, short animations, usually to do with either love or death or robots or a combination. And so season two got released. I think it was only eight episodes or something like that. But I put it on just to to have a look and finished it. <laughs> that session so uh if you 
if you get a chance, there's one in particular, which is, I forget what it's called, but it's, it's like an obvious Christmas one. And it's seven minutes long. And it's just the, it just tickles my funny bone completely. Um, apart from that, I got in my head that I really wanted to see Dark City because I've got these Necromunda dudes. So the link's there. And I found out that, A, I don't have my DVD anymore. So I gave away a whole heap of DVDs at one point, and that must have been one. But I found that it was on Netflix. So I got excited. I loaded up Netflix one night for the intent of watching Dark City. And it happened to be the same day that Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead was released. So I ended up watching Army of the Dead. That's a fair, like, you know, if things aren't going to plan, that's the way to do it. <laughs> it was just there. Well, as soon as I loaded it up, it said, you know, now playing. I'm like, hmm. Yes, you are. Two and a half hours of zombies. I can do that. And, I mean, I got kind of excited because, I mean, Dave Batista's in it. And I got excited because in the credits, he's like the third or fourth person. And it's got, he's got your typical Zack Snyder credits at the start. And so Batista's like third or fourth. And I'm thinking, okay, good. Because I'm not sure that Batista can hold a film. He's a good secondary character, but I don't think he can hold a film. Yeah, and Trax, then, Trax was a perfect player. Exactly, exactly. Uh, and then the, the one and two people, they got killed pretty quickly. Either straight after or during the credits. And all of a sudden I'm like, okay, so he is the leading man here. I still don't think he can carry a film. <laughs> yeah, we're not really surprised by any of this. No, no, it doesn't. I'm sure I'm not shocking anybody on this, but um, it wasn't a bad film. He's it not the rock. No, he's not. Uh, and it had it definitely had its moments. Like there, are, like pretty early on, there is a zombie tiger. Yes, and that is cool. And there's some other stuff in there, and it was it was interesting. It's obviously sort of set up for another series of zombie films, and it's just not it's not Dawn of the Dead, which was I believe if I'm if I'm remembering this right, that was Zack Snyder's like first directorial movie, and Dawn of the Dead the remake was fantastic. And it's not quite the same. It's not up to that level. But it was, I mean, it was decent. I watched it. Was he trying to make the same movie, though? Storyline, no. But... Style, tone, all the... Style, tone, all the... Yeah. Okay. There's, um, I mean, yeah, it's a zombie film. You know kind of what you're getting. There's things that are a little bit out of left field, but for the most part, it's a zombie film. You've got a whole heap of characters. Not all of those characters are getting to the end. 
and there are going to be zombies. But yeah, so I watched that. And then the following night, I loaded up Netflix and watched Dark City. And I really wanted Dark City to hold up, and it's just, it's looking a bit old. But I've watched it. I've got motivation. And I have, going to the hobby side of things, I have now put all the Necromunda dudes together. So they are ready for their Dark City paint job whenever I decide to do that. Painting-wise, I did a bit more work on my Curse City guys. So I finished off the dwarf, and I've decided that I really suck at painting rims on bases. I don't know what it is, but I just can't get them completely smooth. But the dwarf is done. So my main character is done. He has, you know, black lava base similar to my gravekeeper. He, I did the same sort of thing. So I started off with contrasts and then just layered those up. And overall, I'm, quite, I'm really kind of happy with him. So, um, I'm saying, Pigs, I feel like the more we delve into this, the more you're getting comfortable hitting details too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, looking at the little gauge he's got on his little backpacking thing or wherever it is, yeah. um, you know, that kind of stuff as well. But I'll be keen, and this is probably this is another episode down the track sometime, but. I think there's another hobby episode in it. We actually sort of dive into now you spend some time playing with contrast and kind of finding a groove in them, what you like about them, what you don't, what you use them for, all that kind of stuff as well. So I feel like mm-hmm. that's, that is clearly something developing. And I think they're, they're kind of finding their spot in, in your just, you know, your process. So I've definitely moved on from the stage where you're just using contrast on a model and, Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Um, I've definitely started using contrast more as a starting point for a lot of models. And, you know, I'll get, like, the Gravekeeper, for example, the the skin I did for him was the white contrast over the grey seer. Mm-hmm. And it works, and that's all I needed to do. And then the robe I did with a, a red contrast, and that didn't work. And though, though it frustrated me at the time, I've played around and managed to make it 10 times better than I thought it would be. Um, so, yeah, the contrasts are definitely, they've got, they've got a nice place in my heart. But as far as Curse City goes, that's the, the dwarf, the gravekeeper, the little pointing, hanging uh, skeleton the grave, the bats. The only things I have left are the rats. And then that'll be me done. Sure. Sorry. Uh, After that, I moved on to, I did pick up the, I think I talked about this last episode, the four Imperial Royal Guards for Star Wars Legion. I picked those up. When I say picked those up, Mark delivered those for me, which was really nice. Um, so I put them together and I started painting them and they're Royal Guards, like they're red. That's pretty much the only color. 
Yeah, they're those ones, right? Yeah, they're those guys. So I put them together. They all, all four of them, have a grand total of three colours. That's tournament legal. It is tournament legal, and I, I'm sticking with it. So I've got a red contrast, and I'm I'm not going to sort of build that up or anything. I think the contrast is pretty much all they need for these. I mean, this is a game I, I haven't played, so admittedly I'm not overly spending an awful lot of time on them. Uh, they have a black eye slit, and then the weapons have, like, silver and black on them and, and a wash. And that's it. So they're pretty much done. i just got to do, do the base for them. So um, that's kind of where I stopped. And I stopped painting for a while. And so that was 30 days in a row painting, which brings me up to 127 days this year. Which is still it. Pretty fucking decent. Yeah. It's like run. In the grand scheme of things, like you expect life to somehow work out how to get in the way at some point. Hmm. Do you have do you have a model count? Uh I think sixty two. Shit. So I need to finish off the, the, the bases for these four Imperial Guard, so that'll put me to sixty six. And then I just need to do three more models, and I can sit pretty for a while. It's May. Just, yeah, just throw no, it it's out there. nearly June. It's still, right now, as we're speaking, it's May, <laughs> and June is not even halfway. So <laughs> yeah, that's true. So I don't know. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good about it. Um, I haven't painted for a week, but I've needed that sort of break, but. Yeah, 127 days, 62 models. That's like, it's a model every two or so days. I can take that. Don't don't make me think about what I could achieve if I actually put, you know, painted a model every two days. Well, done. your models have a lot more time yeah. and effort than mine generally do. Oh, but also, how much better are you done? <laughs> well, true. Then fucking not. So, but then again, I've just spent ten minutes talking about royal guards, which are like three colours that are done, right? Done, except for bases, but we don't except count them here. Bases. Remember those? <laughs> you don't count them. <laughs> they're done, but they're three colours. I'm not used to having three colours on a model. I, I will admit, like I usually have a lot more. My dwarf, for example, has shitloads more. He started off with a couple of colours and then I just kept on going. Uh, but then I had to add the uh, pink rim to him just to make him fit in. With what exactly? With me. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but there's there's, there's almost got to be a pink somewhere. Bye. Okay. So... That's hobby for me. And I feel like I should talk about why I took a break and 
this is probably the reason why my camera is off so that you can't see me, but more importantly, so that I can't see myself try and discuss what I'm about to try. So bear with me. Um, I want to uh, prefix this with a trigger warning. So I want to talk about something a bit serious, which is not what we're known for. And I want to talk about mental health. If this is something that you're uncomfortable with, maybe just finish a podcast now. Pretend that we're joking around for the rest of it and just wait for the next episode. Um, I'm not going to go into an awful lot of detail but at the same time I feel like during COVID during lockdown this is probably something that needs to be talked about perhaps a lot more than it currently is and it's never an easy topic I've always been quite open about it but even like the thought of doing this podcast has been terrifying me a little bit for the last day or two. I I took a break from hobby and I sort of dove myself into Diablo to to distract myself a bit. But I've suffered from depression for over thirty years now, and it started. It started a lot from moving around so much as a kid, but it quickly moved into probably in my early 20s, moved into self-harm. Um, then I very quickly combined that with a lot of alcohol and it's something I don't recommend at all. <laughs> Not the best combination in the world. Um I went through a really rough period in my 20s where I've sort of, through various means, I can't remember an awful lot of it apart from one particular incident, which I don't want to go into detail with. But what I what I did is I came out of that and realized that this is something that a lot of people go through and it's probably something that a lot of people might need help with or or maybe just just to hear that other people go through it. I'm just going to take a drink because I'm talking too much. Um, I opened myself up in, in my late 20s to other people and, and tried to make myself approachable and someone that people could come to so I've seen a lot throughout my time. I've experienced a lot. I like to think that I've helped some people. But what I've come to realize is that the depression and mental health is an ongoing thing. And it's an ongoing problem. And it's something that a lot of people don't feel comfortable with. Especially those people that are going through it. And opening up to somebody may 
may be the scariest part of it. I have lost two of my friends to suicide and while I never quite went down that path myself, I will say that it's it's never the people that you think it'll be. Like the, the two people that I've lost uh, were two of the most outwardly happy, friendly people I've ever known and will probably ever know. And to lose them both, you know, within a couple of years of each other, it was quite a, a kick in the head because they're never one that, that showed any sort of signs and never never reached out. And while I think, I don't know, like from going through this sort of thing myself, I have never resented their decision. I've never been angry at them. I've never been upset at them for their choice. But the world is a much sadder place without them in it. Um, what I what I learned to do with myself is I learned to recognize the signs. I'm not medicated anymore. I haven't been for a number of years. And it's something that helped me at the time. It's not something that, that I want to go back to. But I've learned very quickly to recognize the signs of something coming on and I probably I probably have about one to three of these episodes a year and probably will do for the the rest of my life uh, and that's what happened last week and it was for for probably the first time in a long time there was a there was a kickstarting reason of why I started to feel this way. Normally, it just sort of hits me and comes on for no apparent reason, but I recognised it. And what I tend to do, and this is just me coping, and and kind of what I wanted to put out is that what I've done is I will put up. I'll probably let people know and I put up a, a sign, uh, just an image or two on, on Instagram and just said, look, taking some time for myself and I like to switch off and I just switch myself away from the world as much as possible and away from myself as much as possible and that's the way that I can ride through it and it usually only takes me a day or two. This one was a little bit longer, but that's okay. Um, so yeah, that happened last week. It was, it was a rough week, but I think what it's important to do is to, cause I don't know what the stats are. I, I don't tend to look them up, but I know that a lot of people are probably going through similar sort of thoughts, especially now with, everything that's going on and and lockdown number four and, and being away from friends and family and all the rest of it, 
if you are struggling, just find what works for you. For me, it's 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 just taking that break away from the world, and then I can rejoin it, and everything's back the way it should be. But whatever you need to do, there are if you need to talk, there are plenty of places and, and numbers that you can call. Um, talk to a friend. Talk to family. If let them at least know what's going on and then if you switch off like me that's fine just know that there are people that you can talk to and i'll put myself out here again and i'll just say look anytime anybody needs please message me you can find me on facebook instagram whatever uh i'm more than happy to talk more than happy to discuss what you're going through what i've gone through like I said, I've, I've pretty much seen and, and experienced it all. Um, but just know that whatever's happening is going to be a, it's, it's a stage you can get through it and never give up on the world because karma is a real thing and the the brightness and the goodness that the world has to offer will come. It may not feel like it, but it will come. And I'm sorry for making things heavy, uh, but... No, but I mean... And, and sorry to catch you off, but no, no, I'm not I feel like... Good. No, you're, you're absolutely at a point. Like, so as we were kind of talking before we hit the record button... Like, I feel like this version of lockdown came as a pretty nasty surprise to a lot of people. There wasn't a lot of people you know, who weren't expecting it. We weren't, you know, we were kind of waiting for the last one. It was kind of a thing. It was a little bit, you know, especially the first one was a novelty. Um, and I'm hearing from people that were perfectly fine for the first lockdown, for the second lockdown, for whatever. And they're now going, oh, I'm, I'm not I'm not feeling right about this. I'm more anxious. I'm, I'm not. It's not sitting. I don't know yet what to do. Like that little bit more lost. Um, so I mean, and the other half of it is, you know, even though you mentioned that you know this is something that has been a, a long term ongoing thing, it's not always a long term ongoing thing for everybody. So it can be a new, different weird experience like or a new feeling for, for a lot of people as well and i feel like you know the the current environment that we're in and the current kind of you know world events that are going on are probably disappointingly conducive to kind of kicking it off in a lot of people um which is a, a lot to manage alongside of everything else alongside of just everyday life too so i mean there's there's that point as well and to, to kind of go, you know, to talk about how it's, there's a level of acceptance of this is, it, it's a real beast, it is a real thing, and it's more around the management of, it, it's not a, it's not a cure, it's not a, we don't put a, a you know, a, a full stop at the end of the sentence, go, great, we're done, that it, it's the acknowledgement, and that's a really hard fucking acknowledgement, that it's, going to be an ongoing 
thing that we would deal with. Um, and coming from the other side of the fence, so I saw the message on Instagram that said, just taking some time off, I'm not going to be streaming or doing whatever for a bit, shut down. There's, there's that moment, and I don't know how many of these you've got, but there's an instant going, shit, I should, I should find out what's wrong. Something, something's what, what's and it's that moment of going, shit, do I, do I just leave it and let you come back and, and sort of touch base whenever it suits you? Or alternatively, and I do this sometimes, I'm just like, hey, what's going on? Rah, rah, chat, chat, chat. Um, knowing full well that you'll reply or you won't, but at some point it'll come back. But it's just kind of, I don't know, I, I don't know whether it's good or bad. Um, whether it's helpful or not, but just let's just put it there, and you know it's there, and you can come back to it whenever you you need. But I think you know the the benefit of the experience that you've got for so many people is being able to see what's going on, you know, understand what's happening, and and now know what works. And you know, I think the, you know, the message I got back was. It's a wave. I'm just going to ride it. But it's the acknowledgement that there is the other side to it. Like it comes out, right? Mm-hmm. There's the peak and there's the trough. So, you know, it's there's probably a lot of people who don't have that level of awareness of, of what's going on necessarily, but don't necessarily have the same experience in developing the, the coping skills. Um, so, you know, just it, as hard as this is to throw out in a podcast that is generally not known for its quality, serious content, uh, you know, when you mentioned that you wanted to say something, uh, you know, it's, it's absolutely you know, important that it's talked about. It, it, it's not thrown as this, you know, it's, Stigma. There's no, there's no. Oh, you, you can't say that. It's not okay. It's you know, if reaching out is what someone needs to do, then reaching out is the thing that they should absolutely do. And I feel like there are enough people, just generally, even in the community, even if you can't think of somebody in your in your immediate household that you would talk to about it, there are so many people that would be willing to just answer a message, see, see what's going on, you know, that kind of thing. Just just reply, just, you know, do what they can. Um, and, you know, obviously, you know, you're you putting your own hand up there and having infinitely more experience and uh, usefulness than a lot of other people is, is, you know, a really big gesture as well. So, yeah, it's, it's a pretty rough, pretty rough topic. It's a pretty rough thing to have to, you know, put out there and, you know, you basically put yourself out there as well and kind of you know, out yourself for, for three people to listen. Um, yeah. Both of them. Yeah. Um, look, yeah, I mean, there's a couple of things that, that I want to sort of underline here. Yes, I've dealt with it for a long time. I've got that 30 years and I know that in this day and time, then a lot of people are probably feeling these sort of things for the first time. And it took me a long time to get to the place I am now. And I count myself very lucky. I, you know, there was a lot 
of pain to get to where I am. So, yes, I do have a bit of experience. I am a good listener. If people need to reach out and if you want a stranger technically to listen to you, then that's not a bad decision in the slightest, like especially somebody that is not going to judge and has potentially been where you are. The This sort of thing is more common than we want it to be. But to do whatever you need to do to get through it, and if that means reaching out, reach out. And reach out to, to somebody that can help you through. And when you, like you, you said it even, like you weren't the only person that messaged me something along those lines. And God knows I appreciate it. The, the taking time out, that's the thing that I need to do. But like I said, it, it t- it's taken me a long time to get to that point. And feel comfortable saying to people that I need a break and this is why. But anything that anybody can do to help is the right way to go. Don't keep it in. Don't keep it to yourself. If if you don't have anyone that you think you can talk to, reach out to somebody like myself who who has the experience and is not going to judge and can potentially give you a bit of advice. Um, like I said, I mean, the, the two people that I lost, I had no idea. And the, the regret that I've got there is that, that I didn't reach out. I mean, how could you know? But still... Find find what works for you, and if you don't know what's going to work, talk to somebody who has been through something. And know that this is normal. You know, this is, it might not be what everyone goes through, it might not be what the majority of people go through, but it's perfectly normal. And, and let's, let's be super clear that we don't know what the majority of people go through, and honestly... It's not like it's a, it's a switch. It, it, it's not, you know, you're depressed or you're not, right? It, it is. There's, so everybody at some stage will go through some level of it. Um, but equally, we don't know what people are going through because Instagram is whatever people want to put up of themselves, right? And generally, it's not that. So... Got no idea what most people are going through at any stage, so you can't. You, and and that's you know, internet is the easy example. But even in person, people show you what they want to show you of themselves too. So you know, there's every chance that that person that is you know fun and, and laughing and, and outwardly amazing is actually going through a lot of shit. So you can't. Don't. All I'm trying to say though is is don't take what you're seeing as fact and think that it is only you because everyone else is putting on this amazing, you know, fucking unicorns and rainbows fucking front. 
circling back to Diablo. Diablo. Yeah. See? Um, So, yeah, that's the other half of it. Like, the level of normal that it is 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 so much more than, than anyone actually sees. Yep. I'm going to leave it there. I hope that what my mouth has been vomiting out makes a bit of sense. Um, I hope you understand the way that I'm trying to say it. I don't know. Like it's it's a difficult even even for me it's a difficult thing to get in words sometimes. But what I wanted to just express is that we love you. We appreciate you listening, both of you. That's I was it. just letting that resonate. Sorry. Yeah. Just giving it a little, <laughs> bit, of, a little bit of a moment. Um, yeah, look, guys, a, a bit of a heavy close to it, to an episode, but an important one. So hopefully that is vaguely useful to somebody. Um, and look, realistically, I think the more that we talk about this kind of stuff, the better it is. Like, let's, let's just stop making it the the secretive closed door behind the curtain shit that, that no one talks about. The more that you normalise it, the easier it is for people who are, are having a problem can get help and feel okay to, to talk to people. So that is kind of the reason, you know, me putting words in everybody's mouth right now, but that that's kind of the reason I think it was important to, to talk about it. So hopefully it, it, it sits well. Obviously, if you, you know, if what we have said or anything that has, that has come up here has, has exacerbated the issue, reach out, get help. There is, you know, however many people to talk to, there are professional services. I'll do the, the um, you know, standard numbers and the recommended numbers and stuff in the, in the show notes as well, just to make sure that if you don't know where to find them, you can find them. Um, but, you know, hopefully it just shows that it, it's not just you. Um, with that, <laughs> let's talk penises. Um, <laughs> Smooth? Yeah. Smooth ones. Can I say how disappointed I was when Hobby Homies came out literally after we finished talking about it? Mm -hmm. And it turns out that we weren't at all special. I thought we were, they had, you know, some kind of, you know, special relationship with this company. I thought that we were, you know, exclusive. I think they just reached out to everybody with balls. I'm reasonably sure they reached out for not just for those with balls, but anyone with a podcast. Um, <laughs> and they reach for those balls. Look, and that's what they're there for. They are to be reached for. Um, and I don't necessarily, you know, begrudge them of that. But it took the fun out of it. <sighs> uh, yeah, we felt special for a couple of days. And look, sometimes that's all you need. No, that's it. <laughs> Um, shall we wrap it up there? Let's call that a day. I've got nothing else. I, I can't right. add any value else to this. <laughs> uh, so thank you for anyone that's, that's made it through this episode. I know it's not the norm and I promise that we will be back to our inane chattering next time. Uh, if you haven't, give us a follow on Facebook, Spotify, Podbean, 
Twitch, uh, leave us a review, send us comments, send us questions. Uh, we have merch, which is something we haven't mentioned. Oh, I keep forgetting about that. I did yes. I forgot. Oh. <laughs> Chase has, has set up some merch for us. So where is that located? So you can head to spreadshirt.com is the name of the website. I'm sure there's an actual Thoughtless Casual Gaming, but if you look up, if you search for Thoughtless Casual Gaming on Spreadshirt, um, you'll come up with the options for hoodies, for T-shirts, for all kinds of delicious treats. I should put a link of that in there too. Let me let you me should, just make it right I'll put a link up on the uh, on the Twitch uh, bio that I've got going, but I think we definitely needed to mention it because we haven't mentioned it in the last couple. And I think so far there's like two of us who were wearing shirts. One of which I'm, I'm wearing a bright pink thoughtless casual gaming t-shirt right now. And that is, that is the other thing that the joy of this platform that we're using spreadshirt is we do not dictate the colors the style. We just let you put a logo on fucking anything. You Literally watch. fucking anything. Oh, it's great. <laughs> there is stickers, there's stubby holders, there's hats, there's fucking, you know, you name it, you can draw. Are you dice bags? There is dice bags that you can get to put a, to a thoughtless casual gaming logo on. Um, Tennis balls. So much. Just, <laughs> it's great. Go to town. In fact, I, I don't know what we will do, but we will do something for the person with the most creative merch purchase. Oh yeah. Um, I'm, I actually think we get a cut of what people like, not much, but whatever people buy, and we will do something with that money to make it worth the while of all the people that have purchased. So you. Right. No, that sounds perfect. Yeah. Yeah, we should talk. We'll talk off air. We we need to get some some competitions or something going. It's been a while. It's I about time. Yeah. That's it. Uh, last thing I want to say is a very, very heartfelt thanks to the current sponsors on Twitch. They are helping out us. So uh, thanks to Alice, George, James, Sarah, Maya, and now Ryan as well. So thank you guys. Really appreciate the donations and support. So that money hopefully will go into making this podcast somewhat better. So hook is and blow. Hook is and blow. Matter of fact, forget the blow. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. That's it from me. I'm done. Gotcha. Animal, animal, animal.